Welcome to Beyond the Routine with Bettina and Nick Shimanek. The podcast where we step away from the workouts and get real about life. We're a husband and wife duo, performance trainers, parents, and health and wellness experts. When we're not training professional athletes or traveling the world filming or leading workouts, we're sharing about life beyond the routine and how we find balance in all the unexpected and the chaos that our careers bring. Whether you're here to see what's going on in our crazy lives or how we manage our work-life balance, or you're interested in improving your overall health, we're here to take you beyond beyond the routine. Welcome back to Beyond the Routine with Bettina and Nick Shimanek. Today we have another Q&A episode. Q&A. <laughs> uh, we have been loving the Q&As. We love your questions. Uh, we picked six of them that we'll try to get through today. Uh, and we'll just jump right into them. So the first one is, can you elaborate on the benefits of hanging and caring as a new parent? I posted that um real a few weeks ago or a few days ago i can't even yeah. keep track at this point but um of how i've been hanging every single day and i feel like i had so many questions about hanging mm-hmm. um and we actually had an episode episode number 14 one of the best exercises you can do and one of them was caring but we didn't really yeah. talk about hanging but hanging is just as beneficial as caring yeah yeah for sure um i would almost even rephrase the question like how why is hanging and carrying beneficial for everyone not just new agreed mothers. <laughs> yeah so i think especially maybe especially new mothers yes um to kind of counteract some of the positions that you're yeah getting into like just from everyday life not even um, new mothers but par- i mean parents That's what i'm saying dads, any, like any, you're holding your baby feeding you're in that your shoulders are rolled not forward. even just dads if you're a, yes everybody <laughs> literally everybody if yeah. you're a single dude living in los angeles you need to be fucking hanging <laughs> and carrying you know everybody yep. needs to hang a, a luna hangs and carries yeah she sure does <laughs> so she's I think single hanging, arm carries out. yeah yeah um i think just as um running Picking up stuff off the floor, like, I think it's essential to us as human beings. I think being able to support yourself, like, Mm -hmm. from something about, like, hanging from something, you Mm -hmm. should have the grip strength to withstand that. Um, Same with carrying. I should be able to pick up shit and move it from one place to another. Like, if you just think about it from a very bare bones standpoint. Yeah. It's like well, and there are the studies that are show that there that are out there are showing the correlation of the grip strength that you have Mm -hmm. with immunity because it has to do with overall health in general. Like, are you, you know, strength training in general, we, we, you, if you've been listening to us or or follow either one of us, you know how much we advocate for strength training for sure. But you know, we are on our computers a lot and that repeated motion, not even just through your wrists and your hands, but the positioning of your shoulders can affect your grip strength. So if you're, grip strength is weakened, you're likely not able to do a lot of functions in in daily life. And so I think that's a big thing to think about. And then whenever you're hanging, it's, it it puts your shoulder in a different position. So the shoulder where that is, is, is directly correlated with your grip strength as well. So when we're talking about positioning with new parents, Mm -hmm. your shoulders are rolled forward, your Mm -hmm. posture is poor. And that goes with a lot of people that are on their computers. So it's not just your wrists. It's your shoulders going forward. Yeah. And I think just the, to kind of circle back the longevity aspect that's been correlated to grip strength. I think that's just, that's like, um, overall activity level yeah 
You know what I mean? It's not necessarily just people that lift weights and have mm-hmm. strong forearms and grip strength live a long ass time. Yeah. I think it's people that are incredibly active. They move in the yard. They they pick shit up in the backyard and they mm-hmm. carry it around. Yeah. Like that's you know what I mean? Exactly yeah. what I was just saying. Um and I think it's just manual labor, like work over the course of time increases the grip strength. Mm-hmm. Of course you can supplement exercise specific for it in the weight room yeah which will only enhance that Mm -hmm. um and be more beneficial but i think just even people that don't lift weights yeah like my dad doesn't lift a lot of weights but his grip strength is fucking out of this world well you've had him hang on a bar before and he hangs up there pretty long wasn't he hanging up there for longer than you at some point longer than me yeah see yeah and he's just like his hands are beat up like you shake his hand and it feels like sandpaper (laughs) and he's just been working his ass off for 40 40 years or Mm -hmm. like i mean he's almost 60 so he's been working his ass off for 40 45 years yeah um and he i mean he lifts weights every now and then but he's not not like like three times a week four times no he's like he'll go a couple times a week and then he'll won't do anything for a month or two Mm because life and work gets too stressful and this and that and then he'll a couple weeks on and then a few months off so but like i said he's he's always active even it's not necessarily in the gym yeah and his grip strength is out of this world and he's probably going to fucking live till he's a hundred, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, is this can ebb and flow. I mean, I used to be able to hang on the bar for a minute, if not longer, and do a bunch of pull-ups in a row without even thinking twice about it. But the journey of motherhood has definitely slowed that down for me. Mm-hmm. Like now I'm, I, I celebrate when I can do 30 seconds, yep. which is a long time for anybody. I have clients that I'm working with right now that, you know, just one to two seconds is is challenging for them, but that's okay. You yeah. know, the fact that you're getting used to that hang is really important because it's not just about carrying groceries, yeah. but getting your your shoulder in that position, a different position than just mm-hmm. this. So, and also you're you're carrying your body weight, and yeah. you have to be able to move your body weight, hold it, carry it, and yeah. I mean, in general, I think that's going to be really good for your longevity. For sure, for sure. So definitely two staples that need to be hangs and carries. In any capacity, like one arm hang, two arm hang, mm-hmm. whatever, multi grip hang. Yeah, different any type, positioning. Any types of, the, of mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Cause you know, a lot of the pull up bars have like different handles. Yeah. So you can move your hands around. Um, I think just switch up the grip to start basic, obviously, but then as you get comfortable, you can switch up the grip, switch up the time, mm-hmm. maybe like put a weight vest on or I don't really love a weight vest for hangs just because it kind of crams up the shoulders. I'm like, yeah, but a belt with a kettlebell around it, around your waist just to add load. Oh yeah. Hold for a long time, hold heavy weight for a very short time. Like literally everything else that, you know, I apply to squats, to speed training, just a bunch of varied, varied input and varied stressors. I feel like is different types of carries, one arm carries, both front rack overhead, boom, boom, boom. So, yeah, I think that's very, very uh, critical, I feel like, to a strength training program, but Mm -hmm. to life in general. Yeah. Cool. I think to wrap it all up, everyone should be carrying. Everyone should be hanging. (laughs) Um, Especially the new parents. Especially new parents. But But like Nick said, everybody. Literally everyone could benefit from hanging and carrying. Fact. Boom, period. Boom. <laughs> next uh, question, please. Next question. Uh, I think the person's name was Jackie who submitted this question. Um, but question was thoughts on fasting. And 
when I saw this question, I was like, wow, Nick and I actually don't talk a lot about fasting because I don't even think you've ever tried fasting. Yeah, I have. Oh, you have? I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. Um, yeah, I tried. Not before. since we've been together. But generally you are, if you don't eat from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., you are actually fasting. I mean, that's why it's called breakfast. Yeah. You know, you're breaking your fast in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know that you tried fasting before. Yeah, I've tried it before. Yeah. Most certainly. I think I tried it whenever we were very early in our relationship oh, a few okay. years ago. And right before. Um, I, I have a lot of thoughts on fasting, by the way, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just going to say that I, um, well, right now specifically, mm-hmm. like I'm just trying to gain weight. Exactly. Yes. So fa- not that I can't gain weight while I'm fasting. It's just a little more difficult because that window, right. like right now, if I want to eat something at nine, nine thirty at night. Like I just eat it. Yeah. And then I try to move a little bit afterwards, yeah. like we've discussed in previous podcasts, just try to get the blood flowing. But also in the mornings, the next day, it's like, if I wake up and I'm hungry, like I'm going to fucking eat right away. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah, wait yeah, yeah. for nine 30 to make sure I hit my 16 hour. You right, know? right. Right. Um, so right now, specifically for me, I'm just trying to get as many calories in the day as possible. So if that means yeah stepping outside of that like natural fasting window then that's just what happens for me well here's the thing a lot of people are always asking me about fasting and my clients are like oh should i fast should i do this and it really it really depends because you're a perfect example you're like i want to eat enough calories throughout the day i have clients who are like oh i want to fast because i want to lose weight and it is a great way to get your 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 system and your body to get used to not having as many calories, but you also don't want it to get used to not having enough calories throughout the day so it adjusts and your metabolism doesn't work. The idea is to be able to eat the normal amount of calories that you would in a day. Let's say 1,800 calories is your goal. A lot of my clients, if they're going to try to eat 1,800 calories in that eight-hour window, it's very challenging, like you said. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can eat the right amount of calories that you need to have in that eight hour window, it's really good for you. Yeah. Um, there are so many benefits from that fast. Like your growth hormone is 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 proven to to rise whenever you're fasting. Um, I think I read somewhere where it said when some this is extreme. It was three day fast improved 300 percent on the GH or the growth hormone, yeah. which is insane and like we all need more growth hormone right Mm -hmm. but if you're countering those benefits by not eating enough and you're not exercising you're not doing all the other things that you need to do then what's the point yeah you know i think there's a lot of people that just are always looking for those quick fixes and so they're like okay fast i'm gonna fast and da 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 I think it's okay to to understand that fasting is good for you if you're still eating the right amount of calories and you're still eating the quality of food in that eight hour period like it's not like oh i fasted for 16 hours and now i'm going to eat all of the naughty things in those eight hours you still want to make sure that you're eating good things mm-hmm. so anyone that's listening to this that's been thinking about fasting because they want to lose weight make sure that you're eating the right amount of calories um you're eating the right food and i know we preach this all the time but i think that's really important for people to remember yeah um but, you know, you mentioned being really hungry when you wake up. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm so hungry. But there's actually like a point in the in that fasting period where if you're really hungry, yes, your 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 hunger hormone is going to increase. But then once you kind of get over this hump, you actually get 
more of the hormone that decreases your appetite. So it's kind of interesting. Some people can fat. I remember when I used to try intermittent fasting, like I'd be like, oh, shoot, I didn't realize it was already the 16 hours. Mm-hmm. Like the first few days were really challenging for me. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait till the 16 hour mark. And then after like a week of me doing it, like I would just be like, oh, shoot, I got to eat now. Yeah. You know, um, I have a lot of friends that are incorporating intermittent fasting and for anyone that wants to break a fast, like something slow. One of my um, nurse friends, she does bone broth because it's something just like she's getting her protein. It's just an easy way to after you haven't eaten for 16 hours or maybe even a full day. People fast for a full day. So mm-hmm. people go like 24 on. Yeah. And then like actually 36 and then just eating that eight hours just to kind of reset their system. Yeah. But um, yeah, you obviously don't want to just. Like I mentioned, don't eat like horrible things whenever you're breaking that fast. Yeah. So you don't want to shock your body, but like mm-hmm. easing back into that, I think is, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of benefits, like, yeah. like you said, that are proven. Yeah. Um, it's just, for me, it's kind of like a case by case. Yeah. Agreed. You know, I, I just so. get so many questions on it. So I think yeah, it's yeah. important to address that it, it's there. There are a lot of benefits, but just make sure you're eating enough in that time period. Yeah. I'm a breastfeeding mother. Um, when you're pregnant, you obviously shouldn't be doing it. Um, but yeah, I'm breastfeeding. I should be eating a lot more, so I'm not doing it. But I think when I'm done breastfeeding, I might even incorporate it again. Yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of people that also report that they have a clearer head when they're fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, they're able to focus more. Yeah. Um, and then just focus on the eight hour period. But for someone like you, who's just trying to gain weight, especially because you're doing jujitsu and all that other stuff, I think it's yeah. really important just to to do what works for your body. Yeah. Yeah, well then I'm gonna I'm gonna do it right before the competition. Then. I was thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so Nick is is I, I don't remember what we if we said. In, yeah, we talked about it. I know, I know, but I didn't remember if you decided in the last episode that you were gonna do the lightweight, he- heavyweight. Yeah, heavyweight or lightweight. Lightweight. She did not just call me a fucking lightweight. <laughs> okay, no. sorry, so I don't know the difference. Yeah, so I signed up for a competition to compete at heavyweight which yeah. is 200 to 225 yeah. pounds right now i'm like 208 what's bantam weight bantam is, is like the women that's small that's the yeah. women right um i think there is a so what's like what's like sean o'malley um he would be i think he would be bantam right he's 145 he's like, okay okay yeah. anyway but yeah. now you're gonna you're going to drop weight in that last week yeah so i'm like 208 to 210 right now and i'm eating just all the time. Healthy foods, like mm-hmm. you said, but like, I feel like it's a job to keep up with it, mm-hmm. to hold myself at 210. Um, and then probably two or three weeks before, I'm not going to do like a dangerous weight cut like yeah. they do in the real fighting. But like two or three weeks before, I'll probably start fasting to try to get down to 198, 199, because I have to be under 200. Mm-hmm. But I want to be as close to 200 as possible. So I'm like huge for my weight class. Um but yeah, I'd rather be big at 190 to 199 in the cruiserweight than yeah. cruiserweight than small in the heavyweight. Because then mm-hmm. I would be like 206, 208 going against guys that are 225, 230. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna just fast those last two or three weeks, try to drop four ish five percent of my body weight. Mm-hmm. Gets to 199 and then hopefully and fasting by the, is a great way to do that. Yeah. And fasting is a good way to do <laughs> but that. But you're still going to make so. sure you're, you're eating enough calories throughout the day. So your metabolism isn't like, what the heck happened yeah, yeah, just for, sure. for that? Yeah. So, and you also want to feel really good for the competition. Yeah. So to wrap it all up, fasting is good if you are doing it mindfully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so question number three, 
When this one's from Daphne, when feeling tired and exhausted, should I train anyway or take a rest? I think it depends. <laughs> I feel like it depends is always the general yeah. answer. Um, yeah. I, it, you could, I think that if you're still sore and exhausted, it depends on what kind of tired, exhausted. If you're tired and exhausted because you didn't get enough sleep because you only slept five hours the night before and that the night, the nights leading up to it, then maybe a hard workout isn't what you need to be doing. Maybe you need to focus and prioritize on sleep. That's what I'll first and foremost say. If it's soreness, you're, you do this all the time. Yeah. You just want to get moving mm -hmm. just to kind of shake it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, I would certainly agree with that. I would say if it's, if it's just sore and you can tell that you're just like kind of beat up from the workout before, mm -hmm. like the day before, I would certainly say to just move around a little bit, like jump on a bike or get in a swimming pool or mm -hmm. go for a walk, just get the blood flowing. Um, if it's kind of a combo of the two, like I slept like shit and my body's wrecked from, from the workouts, like I would almost say just live to fight another day. So don't go in the gym that day and just beat yourself up and mm -hmm. extend that period. So now the following day, you're still beat up the following day. You're still beat up. I would say if you need to just take the day off, um, because you're exhausted, maybe you feel under the weather or whatever take the day off completely. So then hopefully by tomorrow you're yeah. back kind of in exact, a rhythm. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I would just look at it as again, like live to fight another day. Don't go, don't go in there and do something stupid whenever yeah. you're clearly not at a hundred percent. Yep. And then that's going to cause like this cascade of three, four day, five, yeah. seven, a week, you know, two weeks go by and you're like, fuck, I haven't really felt the same since. Yeah. I did that. I tried to go 90% on back squat and I was fucking beat up, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think just if you can work through some muscle soreness, obviously. Yeah. But if it's like, if it's serious to the point where you're like, I probably shouldn't work out today, then you probably shouldn't work out right. today. Well, and this then is come a good back example. Tomorrow, ready to fucking rock and roll. This week, I had a very busy Monday and a very intense lower body workout on Monday where I already felt sore that evening. The next day was my upper body plan for yeah. strength, but I was, my legs were so sore. I was so sore that I, it was tiring to put Osa down into the crib. Like I couldn't even hinge. Yeah. <laughs> my hamstrings were so sore, but I did a workout that was all focused on upper body and I felt great. And it was something that I could still do. I, I focused on strength. I wasn't doing like anything dynamic with my lower body. I didn't yeah. do add more stress to my lower body. And then the following day, we went to the pickleball court, but we didn't move around. I was still pretty sore. We just focused on a skill. So let's say you're someone that's doing a sport and you still want to do something. Maybe you just work on your skill the next day. Yeah. But we told ourselves like, okay, like let's not do too much this day. Like as mm -hmm. far as or at least for me, I was like, okay, I'm not going to lift my lower body again. Yeah. And then by Thursday, my body felt a little bit better. And so I was like, okay, now I can lift again. Now I can actually play pickleball or do something again. But I was really in tune with myself and I made sure that each of those days leading up to it, I was sleeping really well. Um, but let's say Tuesday morning when I did my upper body workout, let's say I only slept for like four hours, five hours, which is very possible with a, a newborn. I probably... Would have said, hey, maybe I won't do a workout, but maybe I'll do some stretching or just, you yeah. know, like you said, the fight, fight another day, yeah. you know, 
Um, so yeah, I think in general, like you listen to your body and I know it takes time for a lot of people to get in tune with that, but I'd say to keep it really simple, if you slept like poop for three to five days leading up to that day that you're feeling really tired and exhausted, your body's trying to tell you something. You yeah. need to rest. You need to, yeah. to not do anything. If you slept really well and you're just a little sore, maybe try to get a little movement in and, yeah. you know, maybe do something that you know isn't going to irritate those muscles that are already sore. Yeah. 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 I'd agree with that. Cool. Okay. Next question is, how do you decide on what kind of protein powder is best for you and if you really need it? Uh, I would say, can I say it depends? <laughs> no, I would say, um, I would say again, it's just a case by case. Yeah. You know, I would say certainly try to get your protein source from like a real food. Yeah. Whatever diet you follow. Every single like, day. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Whatever diet you follow doesn't, doesn't matter. Just try to get, um, try to get, get it from real food. And then if you do have to supplement again, it's like, are you vegetarian? Does way bother your stomach? Like there's mm -hmm. so many, there's so many factors that go into that question. Yeah. Well, I think people, a lot of people are always asking, should I take protein powder every day? And Nick and I are moving constantly. Nick is moving way more than I am every single day. And again, we said he's trying to gain weight. So for the most part, you do a protein shake every single day yeah. on top of all of the protein that yeah. you eat or food that you eat. Me, on the other hand, I'm not as active as you, but on the days that I'm getting an intense workout in or I'm playing pickleball, I am making sure that I have at least one protein shake with my creatine. That's usually my little mix. But on the days that I didn't get a workout in, I'm probably not doing an extra protein um, yeah. shake. So uh, we've mentioned it before. We don't track our macros, but we just know our body's good enough for that. But if you're concerned, I would, you know, use something like MyFitnessPal and track how much protein you're getting and compare it to the days that you're really active and you're not and find something that is going to work for you. Yeah. We do a whey isolate. That's way better. It's better than concentrate because it actually removes some of the fat um, and it's way more of the it's animal fat or animal protein. Yeah. Um, and so that's for us, it feels good. Not all whey proteins are like. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, for the longest time, couldn't do any whey protein. Yeah, just like, mess your stomach up. Yeah, just mess my stomach up. But we, we were able to find one that really mm -hmm. works for us. Um, there's different plant proteins. Yeah. pea and hemp and i'll occasionally have some some of that i mean it's just, it, it just it's coming from plants so it's you're gonna get different benefits from it yeah so um but for us we per, we prefer the way just because you know we're we're, we're meat eaters so yeah. we, we prefer the mm -hmm. animal protein yeah no for sure and then again just to circle back i feel like it's just finding yeah what i don't think there's you. necessarily oh this is better than this this is better than this like you got to do this I think it's just finding what works for use, finding what you can be consistent with and stick to for the long term. Yeah. And not just bouncing. Well, this, you know, I've been trying the pea protein for about a week and it, I don't see a lot of change. Yeah. Or same thing with whey or whatever it is, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I think just find what works with you and just be incredibly consistent. Yeah. I think also some people prefer the way too because it's a complete protein yeah. so you're getting all the amino acids that you need mm -hmm. versus just like a yeah, yeah. protein you're not getting everything yeah. so just you know uh, 
if you can handle whey uh, and you're you're you drink dairy and you drink or uh, yeah. eat meat then we certainly advocate for yeah. it but yeah. if not yeah find what works for you find what works for you yeah but yeah as far as how much you should take the more active you are you probably need more protein throughout a little the more day protein, yeah. yeah uh two more questions this is so definitely smash. a tatai question Good lifts for dynamic movements to improve golf swing speed. This is from Cole. Yeah, my dog Cole. <laughs> um, Cole, I would say first just get strong as fuck. Build the horsepower. Fact. Um, and then once you get pretty strong, like you can do very standard stuff just to, to get strong. And I'm not saying strong like you got to be a bodybuilder, but... Just get where your your body feels nice and healthy and strong. Like you, you feel like you can move around a little bit. Um, and then like we can get really into the weeds as far as how to get more speed on your swing. Um, a few things that pop off the top of my head, I would say do a lot of like very powerful rotations, um, throwing medicine balls against the wall. I have a Kaiser machine so I can like really rip the cable. Um, and do really explosive, powerful rotations, grab a PVC pipe or like a wiffle ball bat or something like that. If you have it just laying around and do like overspeed swings. So basically with something light, with something light, yeah. like a PVC pipe. Yeah. Um, and so basically you could just stand there like you're playing baseball and you're, you're in the batter's box and just swing that motherfucker as hard as you can. And then swing it the opposite ways. So swing it left hand. So you need to train both ways. Mm -hmm. Swing it right handed and swing it left handed. Obviously, it's it's not going to be as smooth on one side, probably because you're you're probably um, dominant on one side. But yeah, definitely swing both sides just to train the reciprocal fashion for your body. Um, And then take a step into it and swing it as hard as you can. Like basically, you just want to try to teach your body to move incredibly fast so like your reserve or your capacity is extremely high so then whenever you're on the course a 90 percent swing or an 80 percent swing or whatever because you never want to swing on the golf course 100 percent. yeah so if you're swinging like 60 70 percent on the golf course if my overall swing speed is higher 70 mm-hmm. percent should be of of that overall swing speed should be higher yeah you know what i mean so um yeah, I think just same thing with sprinting. Like if you want to run faster, just run as fucking fast as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, so same thing with rotational aspect of it too. If you want to swing harder, yeah. like swing some shit that you can swing lightning fucking fast. Mm-hmm. Don't hit your brother, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, swing, swing stuff lightning fast, swing it both ways like step into it and swing it'd be nice if you had like a little radar and you could track how fast you're swinging it yeah so you can see the improvements over time um but yeah and then get out on the course and yeah and rip it i do i want to reiterate that he said how important it is to do it both ways so this is not even someone that's doing golf this is anybody training for any sort of rotational sport yeah. basically every sport but yeah. making sure you're training both sides yeah for sure you know just to balance everything out you don't want one side to be stronger than the other. I mean, one yeah. side is going to be stronger than the other, but you don't want the one side to overpower so that injuries happen, etc. Yeah. And two, just to recap, don't don't go straight into those types of swings. Yes. I would say 
build, build a foundation, like two or three weeks of some good strength work and getting some solid rotations, like very controlled. So I know how to move my trunk around my pelvis and this and that. And then maybe for two or three weeks, let's get a little more explosive with it. And I'm moving a little lighter weight, but I'm moving a little faster. Mm -hmm. And then the last two or three weeks mm -hmm. start like really ripping shit. So basically going from heavy and slow down to, to light and super fast. Mm -hmm. That's going to be six to 10 weeks somewhere, depending yeah. on how, how much each block is. I feel like and that's a bonus that two or three times throughout the year from episode 14. And when we talked about the top exercise to do, I feel like a bonus is rotational exercises that people don't even think about doing. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of basic like group fitness, like lunge, rotate, but like low to highs, yeah. high to lows, like just getting that, like you said, just getting everything used to moving around your pelvis. Mm -hmm. I think that's another top one people need to do. Like, yeah. yes, you need to build a foundation of strength with squats, deadlifts, et cetera. But people need to figure out how to move, especially for sure when you're sitting at your computer a lot. Yeah. Your body just gets so used to just being in that position. Yeah. So getting your, your spine to move and get your spine to be stronger. Uh, very, very important. So not just for golfers, but for everybody. Yep. Listen to Nick. Boom. <laughs> uh, our last question from our girl, Michelle, uh, coach of the year, Michelle. Uh, she asked, how do you diff oh, how do you handle difficult clients? <laughs> um, you <laughs> go first. <laughs> and I was like, should we share this one? <laughs> no, I, I already have a good answer. <laughs> um, this really, <laughs> you do, yeah. you have a good answer. I have a great answer. I, I was thinking about this one a lot and I think I, I'm, I pride in being very empathetic and, and not, I, not, Nick, <laughs> not, not <Nick>. me. <laughs> and so I like to work on the journey with clients, but it depends on where you are in your coaching career. So I'm, I'm going to talk to, to people that are new in their coaching career right now. If you're new in your coaching career and you have difficult clients and you want to keep clients, guess what? You got to keep them and you got to figure out how to deal with them. You got to uh, just figure out the personality, figure out what is it that they need. Uh, if you're someone that's in, in it for like a long time and you don't necessarily need that many clients, you got to, you might need to fire your client and that's totally okay. But with that being said, uh, with difficult clients, I would just figure out what it is with communication, how you need to, you know, how you just need to deal with each other. Like, but if it's somebody that's really just zapping your energy, um, ask yourself, even if you are a new trainer, ask yourself if that really is worth your energy, because even though you're, you might need that money that you're training, that, you, that you're mm -hmm. getting from training that person, it might not be worth your energy because that's going to, to flow into all your other clients. Yeah. So. Truthfully, if you really, really need that client, you might have to deal with it. But also ask yourself, is it worth the energy, money, energy? That's, yeah, true. that's basically what I was going to say. I mm -hmm. was going to say if it's early on, you might just have to deal with it. <laughs> but just try to put yourself in a position where you can be selective yeah. of your clientele. Um, so basically the exact same answer that she would say or, or that she just said, rather. The only thing that I would add is um, just thinking about business you know and yeah. making money yeah i would say if you have a client that you've been working with that you don't want to work with anymore and you can be selective yeah like grow your, your network team. of trainers mm -hmm. and your team and just hey like go to one of your friends that you really trust or one of your colleagues that you really trust and say hey i've been working with this person i don't really have that much time in my schedule for him anymore like mm -hmm. 
and then try to pass them off to another trainer. Yeah. Um, and then try to get a little piece yep. of what they're charging. So if yep. they're charging a hundred dollars an hour, just, Hey, every time you train that person, can I get $5, $10? Yeah. Cause it's not, it's not a lot, but I mean, shit, if they train them, you know, 12 times, yeah, 12 times a month and then they do it for the next three years. Like mm-hmm. that's so much free money in your pocket. Oh yeah, totally. You know, that's the business aspect um, of you. Yeah. Or, but, but also at the same time, if you are going to make that type of call, um, and you're going to try to move on from this client, you have to be okay with, if they were like, okay, well, fuck this. I don't want to fucking work with any of your friends. I'm going to go find a new, yeah. you know what I mean? So they could, they could blow up. They but might you be just that have, difficult. <laughs> they might be that difficult. Exactly. So you just have to like, um, understand that going in, mm-hmm. like, you know, this might, this might be the situation they might get pissed off. They might not want anything to do with me. So I think it's probably the same as the last five questions that we've answered. It's case by case. It depends. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think, I think just try to try to make it work early on Yeah, just so you can keep building your experience. You want to get experience working with bad people uh, or bad clients. You want to get experience damn near working for bad businessmen and businesswomen and mentors Mm -hmm. um, like we've both done in the past. So Mm -hmm. you can kind of learn what to do and what not to do. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, if there's, if, if you're a hustler and you're a businessman, to add on to the the whole um, passing them off to a client. um, Some people have a really hard time with that and they're like, Oh, well, I don't really know how to tell them. I want to put a, you know, take some off the top. But what you can do is, especially if you're, you're transitioning from that newer, you know, that newer client or newer trainer to um, more experienced, more coach, experienced yeah. coach. I would say you can tell this other client like, hey, I'm going to program for this person. So I'm going to take 10 off the top. Correct. And then I- I'm overseeing the program. And this person is you're actually physically training them. So yep. then you're not actually dealing with that client yep. anymore. Um, and you're again, just doing it's, programming. it's only $10 a session. Yeah. But then if you do three or four a week. And then you end up getting like over the six months, you end up getting that trainer or that colleague Mm -hmm. four or five or 10 other clients. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a whole side business that you don't even have to do anything. You're just collecting money from other trainers for being the middleman, being the networker. Yep. Um, So yeah, I I think just to wrap it all up, I I would say um, certainly if you're early on, try to make it work just because you need the finances, you need the income and you need the experience. Um, if you're in a position where you can be incredibly selective of your clientele, like we are fortunate to be in, I would say just try to expand your network and try to see if someone else would be comfortable working with that specific client. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, building building a team uh, w- alongside you. Yeah. People that you can trust in the future. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's just... Community is everything. Community is everything, in certainly. Every, in every department, in every career. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, we hope we answered some good questions that benefit all of you. And, you know, you can always submit questions at contact at beyondtheroutinepodcast.com or make sure you follow us on Instagram so you can enter in your questions whenever we know it's time for a Q&A. But also, and please, please, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, that's it. That's it. Peace. Peace. See you next time. See you. Boom. 
Just real quick, we'd like to remind you that while we are fitness and wellness professionals, we are not doctors or prescribing any medical advice. We do advise that before you change any of your habits or routines, you always should check with your healthcare provider.